Well, we have had our Christmas service. We've had two New Year messages. Now we're back to Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Leviticus, a great book if you're Jewish. (laughs) But Leviticus is the third book of the Pentateuch, the third book of Moses. And Leviticus was written around 1500 B.C. The theme of Leviticus pertains to the Levites, thus its name, or the book of the law. And we will pass quickly through Leviticus because Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the law. We have a new covenant under Jesus, and we're no longer under the law. There were five offerings uh, required in Leviticus. There were three offerings of worship, a burnt offering or a consecrating to God, a meal offering or a commitment or service unto God, and a peace offering. And it was simply an offering of fellowship with one another and God. There were two sin offerings, and uh, basically you had the basic sin offering plus a trespass offering. But let me direct you to Ephesians 5.2, where Paul wrote, walk in, I'll just one verse and I'll read it, don't, don't have to turn there unless you really want to. <laughs> walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Jesus, a complete offering to God, not only for our sins, but also for our fellowship with God the Father. The cross of Jesus met all of the offerings that God required of the Jewish people. The cross of Christ gives each believer that sweet-smelling aroma unto God. When God the Father looks upon us through the sacrifices of Jesus, we are not only saints, and that's difficult enough to try to comprehend, but we are a sweet-smelling aroma to God. I stopped by Steve Cruci's house a couple weeks back, and he had a beef brisket smoking in his big green egg. What an inviting smell coming from that smoker. And I began to tell Steve how I was free for dinner. (laughs) To no avail. Next time, I'll have to be more direct, like, hey, Steve, you haven't had me over in a while or something, you know. But the aroma, the smell from that smoker, it was so inviting. You can be driving down a street in the summer, and you can tell who is out grilling on their barbecue because of the aromas that are going forth. And they're just very inviting, very sweet-smelling to us. Jesus 
was our sacrifice that makes you and I very inviting to God the Father. We are to never be shy in approaching God the Father as believers. Christ has gone before us, and, and he is that beautiful aroma that you and I take before God the Father. Our aroma is just a small indicator of how welcome we are when we approach God the Father. He can smell us coming, and it's a good smell to him. In our worship service, uh, not only this morning, but a lot of Sunday mornings, as we begin to sing and worship and Sometimes I'm, I go to the back. When he says everybody stand, I go to the back and try to get myself ready to come up here. And I have to remind myself where I am and what I'm supposed to do, lest I lose all bearings of why I'm here. <laughs> I can get submerged in our worship, and that's good for us to worship. And this morning, I, uh, I'm going to talk about fire. And what was our next to last song? Holy fire. Now, Mike and I do not plan this. <laughs> this is totally of the Lord. So it's a Lord-ordained sermon coming. So anyway. But uh, This morning we're going to look at chapter 10 of Leviticus. Let me tell you what goes on in the first nine chapters. <laughs> chapters 1 through 7, they give details of how we are to bring an offering to God, a sacrifice. Chapters 8 and 9 speak of the consecration of Aaron, the high priest, and of his sons. And God gives details. He gives commands to Moses as how to sacrifice and worship and how those services are to be conducted. And there's a lesson in that for us, for we're not free to worship God any old way we please. God wants worship to be done, well, he tells us, in spirit and in truth. But a worship service, any worship service in a Christian church should have prayer, should have praise, and should have a reading and a teaching of God's Word. And in many churches, they uh, do the Lord's Supper at each and every service. Now, we do that once a month, but that's just our little way. And these are the four things that are to be found in any worship service. Aaron and Moses, they're careful to follow God's command in offering, presenting the offerings unto God. Let me read you the, you can turn to this one. <laughs> turn to Leviticus 9. We'll look at the last three verses of chapter 9 before we get into 10. Leviticus 9, 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people, 
Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell down on their faces. There was a continual fire that was burning in the most holy place of the tabernacle. And this fire would come out before God and consume the sacrifice, the offering, there on the altar. And this was a graphic, in-your-face, you might say, demonstration of God's acceptance of the offering. The people would see this burnt offering being consumed, and they shouted and fell on their faces before God. And this was so vivid right there before them. But in chapter 10, and this is what we'll be looking at, we have God's judgment coming upon two priests, the two sons of Aaron, while they are there at the altar. So let's read the first seven verses of chapter 10 of Leviticus. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, that would get your attention if you were there watching that. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Then Moses called Michelle and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, and the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near and carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and Ithamar his sons, Do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes, lest you die. And the wrath and wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Nadab and Abihu. Two of the sons of Aaron are killed right before the tabernacle as an example, as a warning for all priests, for all prophets, and you can easily put in there for all pastors who are to rightly represent God. We have a responsibility in the ministry to rightly represent God. So what was this grievous sin, this deadly sin of Nadab and Abihu? Well, it's simple. It tells us they offered profane fire before the Lord. Profane. That's a harsh word. It's a strong word, and it means to violate a sacred thing. 
to make common or to make ordinary something holy to the Lord. Nadab and Abihu offered profane fire. Not fire from God, but fire that they themselves have kindled as though it was fire from God. They paid a severe penalty for this. Their very lives were required of them. These two priests, and they were priests, have misrepresented God, and they paid for it severely. What a warning. That is one of those attention-grabbing warnings. <laughs> Isaiah 42.8, it tells us, God will not give his glory to another, not to angels and not to man. In the book of Revelation, we finished Revelation a while back, John, who's given all these visions and uh, revelations by God, by Jesus to John, John is caught up in the appearance of these angels. And John wants to worship these angels because they're so above him and so magnificent and everything. And several times the angels tell him, do not do that. Don't worship us. Worship God. However, we have many ministers, many priests, who will subtly try to appear as holy or special. I know it's hard for you to resist thinking I'm holy. I can sense that. <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm not holy. But anyway, be cautious. Let a red flag go up in your mind when you hear someone proclaim, I have special revelation. Let that be a warning. <laughs> when they say things like, when I was in prayer this morning, the Lord appeared to me. Oh, really? <laughs> or God spoke to me about this thing or that thing, and he told me to write a book about it. But I'll receive the profits from the book. Be careful. <laughs> Don't buy into all of that kind of thing. Years ago, I was an usher at Modesto Calvary Chapel in California. After one service, there were two men that came up to me wanting to have lunch with me because they had uh, a special word from God for me. Well, hey, I'm ready to hear that. <laughs> but I couldn't do lunch, but uh, the following morning we did have breakfast together. They proceeded to bombard me with general statements. Things like, God wanted to use me. Okay. <laughs> and how I was to dedicate myself to the Lord. Well, all right. And for a half hour, they go on and on with uh, these what I call general statements that you could apply to anyone. But they never said anything prophetic. 
there was no specifics. And finally, breakfast is about over, and the younger one asked me, he says, well, what do you think? Bad question. And I said, think about what? I said, you have not said anything original or specific for me. Breakfast was over. <laughs> I guess I just didn't understand, or maybe they just didn't have a word from the Lord. Be careful. I've heard it said, and I like this, if God wants to talk to me, he has my phone number. And I like that. If God wants to talk to you, he'll find a way to talk to you. Now I'm going to offend some of you who were raised perhaps as I was raised in a Pentecostal church. Now I paid my dues, so don't jump on my case, okay? Allow me to express some of the things that I call profane fire. Fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. However, man's fire never equals God's fire. In my years as a youth and growing up, I have seen many men and women acting out emotions of the flesh and acting as if it was God. You know, they had no control, and God just overtook them. The Holy Spirit does not come upon a person and have them act foolish or weird. Write that one down. That's a truth. <laughs> you will not be in the checkout lines at Kroger's and have the gift of tongues come on you and you not be able to control it. That will not happen to you. Paul writing about the order of a church service in 1 Corinthians 14.32, he said, The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Simply meaning we have control of our own behavior. And I've seen a lot of weird things done in the name of the Lord. that have been attributed to being the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. And he has nothing to do with weirdness. Calvary chapels believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We really do. We believe therefore today but we do not believe in weird attention-grabbing outbursts in services. We don't believe in that. Nadab and Abihu are set forth as examples of priests that are caught up in the flesh, acting, pretending to be holy men of God. When in truth... They're offering profane fire, a defilement of something that was truly holy, 
they're pretending to do. Esau, you remember Esau. Esau, it said of him that God hated him, was described as a profane man. Back to our text, verse 2. Fire from God has devoured Nadab and Abihu, and God cautions Aaron through Moses. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all people, I must be glorified. This is a warning to Aaron. Hold your peace, Aaron. God has just judged your sons, Nadab and Abihu, the sons that have offered this profane fire. And Aaron is warned by God not to mourn the death of his sons. God will not allow that. Aaron, do not act as though this was some unjust tragedy that has fell upon your sons. Some unjust fate that became them. Because if you tear your clothes, Aaron, if you uncover your head in mourning, you also will die. Wow. Is God getting strict or what? But this has a very sobering effect on Aaron and his other sons who are fearfully obedient now to the word of God to them. If Aaron would have mourned his sons, it would have been perceived by the people that God had been unjust. And God says, don't do that, Aaron. The killing of Nadab and Abihu definitely put the fear of God into Aaron. And when we're in true fear, it's easy to be obedient. (laughs) But let's move on to verses 8 through 11 of chapter 10. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Many Bible commentators believe Nadab and Abihu, the reason they offered profane fire is that they were intoxicated, that they were perhaps even drunk there when they offered this profane fire. And I think they're on to something. I think this warning would not have come unless there had been a violation of them being not sober. Aaron, the high priest, they're now instructed by God. Do not drink any wine or any other intoxicating drink when you go to the tabernacle of meeting. Don't do it now or forever. God requires his priest, his pastors, those representing him to be of a sound mind. This is required that the man of God can distinguish between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean. And in the case of Nadab and Abihu, between profane fire and real fire. 
or holy fire. Now, I do not preach against drinking. I do preach against being drunk. We're never to be drunk. I personally do not drink at all. I'm a teetotaler. That's a deal between me and the Lord. <laughs> he wanted me to totally give up drinking, and I totally gave up drinking. And I love my beer, okay? So let it be. But that was years ago. <laughs> I do not drink at all. Uh, in the case of Nadab and Abihu, them offering profane fire is a lesson for us. If you're inclined to have a glass of wine now and again, I urge you, do not mix having that glass of wine with your devotions. Don't do it. God wants you with a sober mind when you approach him. Completely sober. Back in my wild and rebellious days, I had a friend who would begin to speak of salvation when we would be out drinking. One young lady was completely and totally offended by him, and she said, you're going to talk to me about Jesus, and you're half drunk, busted. What a testimony. Totally busted. And I don't have to explain to you the hypocrisy in that. But you know, a couple years back, one Sunday morning, I had a sinus infection. And upon arriving here at church, I said, well, I think I'll take a couple of antihistamine tablets. That was a mistake. <laughs> I discovered that I need my senses about me, totally about me, when I stand up here. And simple antihistamine tablets kind of give me a, a little bit of a woozy head, and I said, I'll never do that again. So, having made that promise to never do that again, you're going to have to listen to my nasal twine. When things get congested, bear with me because we're not going to take anything for it. <laughs> and if I have to clear my throat <clears throat> several times over, you'll know why, but I'm not going to take medication before I come up here. But at least I'll have my senses about me when I speak to you. And it doesn't take a whole lot to derail this slow train of thought here. <laughs> In Leviticus... God is establishing the order of a worship service for Israel as they begin their travels through the wilderness for 40 years. God cared how they worshiped him. He did not allow profane things to go on. And he cares how you and I worship him today. He cares. We are instructed to worship God in spirit, sober spirit, and in truth. He requires that of us. We're his people. So let us learn 
from Leviticus 10. Nadab and Abihu. I'm glad that we're under grace and the sternness of the law is removed from us. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Before I pray, though, if you have anything you would like someone to agree with you in prayer, we'll have people in the prayer room that would be more than glad to agree with you in prayer. So take advantage of that. The power of prayer when we pray to the living God is tremendous power. So let's pray now. Father God, thank you for being loving, kind, Thank you for the new covenant we have in you, Lord Jesus, that we're no longer under the law, that you have fulfilled the law for us. And Lord, for us to be righteous, clean, forgiven, all we have to do is come before you and ask you to forgive us. And you're gracious and you're kind and you're loving and you do forgive us. So, Lord, Keep us from sin. Lord, and keep us real. We don't want to be hypocrites like Nadab and Abihu. We don't want to be a bad witness for you, Lord. We want to be a true witness. We want people to see you in us, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for making us that sweet-smelling aroma to your Father. Thank you for your goodness to us. Be with us, Lord. Watch over us and take care of us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.